Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr., and with me again at the start of this season is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. Aaron Lloyd. Aaron, welcome back to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, it's that time of the year again. It is, uh, and hopefully this year we're, we are uh, consistent with getting these done at the at the times that we said we yes. would. I think. Well, I know we did one to start the we, year. We did one at the All Star break. We missed the playoffs. Yeah, so we'll have to make sure we do that next year. Yeah. Or did we do a playoff preview and then we didn't do one to wrap up the season? I can't remember. No, we, we didn't. We didn't do a playoff. Okay. We did a uh, all, we did a preview Christmas and All Star. But we didn't uh, do playoff. I forgot we did the the preview for the Christmas Day games. That's what I was confusing with the playoffs. Um, well, anyway, we are just like hours away, basically, from the 2019 uh, 2020 season. We made some predictions last year. I don't think we got a lot of them right, uh, and I don't claim to be it. A basketball expert, and I think after this past off season, I probably feel even less expert than I ever have because <laughs> I don't know if anyone can really feel like they know what's going to happen this year. Um, I feel like this was the wildest off season in the history of any professional sport. It was excellent writing, and writing has something to do with my predictions as well. Okay, uh, we had the. Kind of surprise NBA champions in 2018-2019, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo became the MVP. Uh, LeBron's Lakers, I feel like, did not live up to preseason expectations for a variety of reasons, which is your team and then my team. I feel like Embiid's health and Ben Simmons' lack of a jump shot reared their ugly heads to keep the Sixers from getting where I hoped they could get. Um, I don't know. I guess the first thing I'll ask is, do you have any thoughts on the 2018-2019 season before we get into this year? Um, well, we all know that if Golden State was healthy, that the Raptors would have probably lost in five or six games. Um, Kawhi Leonard, he did show dominance in that in the in the entire playoffs. He showed that he might be the one of the, he might be the best player in the world. Some people. We'll put him right now above LeBron James and Kevin Durant. I wouldn't. I still would have him locked in as third. But it was good to see a new champion. Um, Golden State was dethroned, but it took a plethora of injuries to do it. But we have a new champion. And like you said, this is probably the most exciting NBA season we're probably going to have since maybe the 90s. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it might be the most exciting. It It might be the most exciting season, like, on a national level. Maybe ever, because I feel like there's no clear-cut favorite, but there are like six to eight teams that have like the talent to win the whole thing, and just nobody really knows what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of people probably don't even know who's on what team at the start of the yeah. season. Like I would, because I was gonna, I was gonna do the same thing we did last year with like the the biggest story of the off season and all that. And I'm like, I don't even know where to go with that because there's so many. New faces and new places. So many. Things yeah, I was. Have I was thinking of it. I was trying to think of an answer because I, I I thought you were going to ask that question, and like my answer led into another answer, and that led into another answer. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, well, what, what were you thinking? Because, like, I don't have a specific, like, biggest story because I just think there are so many things and so many storylines going into the new season. Well, uh, I was going to start with Jerry West and, well, he doesn't want any credit, but he is a con- quote-unquote consultant. But once again, he steals somebody like a thief in the night, <laughs> this time for the other L.A. teams with, with that whole trade he pulled off with – Oklahoma City Thunder getting all or getting all those draft, well OKC getting all those draft picks and the Clippers getting back Paul George and this also leads to my other thing my other story of Oklahoma City just basically blowing it up after Paul George resigned last offseason and they also deal Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets and we look at the Oklahoma City Thunder on paper it's like you see these guys like Chris Paul Stephen Adams and Danilo Gallinari and you think to yourself like is this does this team want to actually compete or will they just compete and try to boost up those guys trade value and ship them out for more draft pick compensation and cap relief so it's interesting to see like that was gonna be my answer because those all went hand in hand but you could also go with the lakers well the pelicans winning the draft lottery and the lakers acquiring anthony davis and now zion out zion being out for six to eight weeks so so he'll probably miss a, a nice quarter close to a quarter of the season you could also make that a narrative but it was quite frankly an amazing like mind-blowing NBA offseason yeah I think my maybe my biggest story of the offseason is this is the most wide open that it's ever been like think about it the last five or six years you kind of knew LeBron is going to be in the finals and the Warriors are going to be in the finals and there really wasn't much and you kind of knew the Warriors are probably going to win the championship this year, like I said, there are a handful of teams that have a chance to win, and it's not wide open because teams are not that good. There is elite talent on a bunch of different teams. It's kind of interesting. Maybe that's the big story is that the teams at the top kind of all push their chips in the middle to say, like, all right, like right, the Warriors have been knocked off. Like, Let's all try to get our championship now. So I think it'll be interesting. I'm very excited for the start of this season. Very intrigued to see where this season goes, what trades could be made throughout the season, you know, who becomes the big story this year. But, yeah, it, it, a very different – and not that's not to say last off season wasn't uh, wild, but this was just off the charts. I mean, it, it was so bad that now the NBA is talking about cracking down on tampering. <laughs> but it was funny, though, because, like, a lot of stuff was breaking, like, a couple hours before – you could officially announce like I forgot who was talking about. It was like Garrett Temple agreed to join Brooklyn a half hour before free agency. Like, like how the hell does Garrett Temple of all people? Yeah, you're tampering to get Garrett Temple <laughs> exactly to uh, to join Brooklyn because the assumption is Kyrie's going to join Brooklyn and KD's decision would soon follow. Yeah, it, it it was nuts and. I think we're already getting some of the air let out of next offseason's bubble because so many guys are signing extensions now. Yep. Like we had like four or five extensions announced just in the two hours leading up to us sitting down to record. Yep. So we may not have the same flurry of activity next year. Uh, but, but let's get into it. Uh, I think the thing we started off with last year was which playoff teams in each conference, like – one playoff team in each conference that is going to drop out of the playoffs 
and then one team that missed the playoffs last year that's going to jump in. So, Alo, would you like to to start out with the Eastern Conference as to who is going to make it into the playoffs that didn't last year? That didn't last year? I have the same eight teams. Or maybe I should say who's going to drop out first. Okay, well, for the East, so I have, have the no same, one dropping out. No, I have the same eight teams. It's just the order's a little bit different. Okay, well, we'll obviously get to that. Uh, for me, I do think one team drops out of the playoffs, and I think it's going to be the Detroit Pistons. Because I, I was debating, because I was debating when I pick, when I keep Detroit in or put my sleeper team at number eight. Yeah, I think they. Obviously, like Blake Griffin at this point, his health is always in question. I think they were, like, I feel like they barely made the playoffs last year. And while there are not a lot of good teams in the East, I don't feel super comfortable that they are a playoff team this year. So, and also my my one other team that, that could possibly drop out would be Orlando because of Markel Fultz could <laughs> demolish that whole thing from the inside. He could implode the whole thing. Yeah. The My favorite thing is this dude hits like a five foot turnaround in the first preseason game, and the 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 NBA Twitter universe is talking about he's back. He's a, a <laughs> former number one pick who made a five foot shot. Never here. This dude, I believe, in the preseason shot like thirty two percent from the field. Like, he's not back. He was never here, and I don't believe he ever will be. So he could demolish the whole Orlando Magic empire from the inside. But my real answer is I think Detroit drops out of the playoffs from the east. Now, in the west, do you see a team that was in last year? I mean, I know you believe your Lakers are going to make it this year, which means at least one team (laughs) is not going to make it. So who do you think drops out from the west this year? Okay, see. And you're pretty, like, dead set on that. Yeah. I mean, I think they're a good pick. Obviously, they've lost a lot of talent, and their team is constructed very different. I think I'm going to go with the team I went with last year. I think I was one year early on this team, and I think this year is the year. I think the Spurs are going to miss the playoffs this year. I mean, it has to happen sometime, and I think this is probably – the year that it happens. I feel like the West is so tough and the good teams in the West are so good. And I feel like San Antonio is like the one team that does not have like stars on it. Like DeMar DeRozan is a a former all-star, but I don't look at him as among the stars of the league. I think he's good, but I don't think he's a star. LaMarcus Aldridge, same way. Uh, I, I just don't, and I think they're young. Like they're relying a lot on DeJounte Murray, on Derek White, on um oh, there's one other guard that I'm uh, I'm forgetting. Well Lonnie Walker, who didn't really play last year. I think you got De- you already said Derek White because he replaced DeJounte Murray last year. Yeah, I think it, it, this is the year that, that it happens. Um now who in the East? Well, you, you already said you have the same eight teams going in that are going to get into the playoffs from last year. I have, so I figured you might say Miami would get in this year with the addition of Jimmy Butler. 
So I had another team that I had tagged because I never I never really want to give the same answer as you on these. So I'll also give my team that I was giving like the outside chance I would have said if you if you had said Miami, which is the Atlanta Hawks. That's it. That's mine. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of Lloyd Pierce, former Brett Brown assistant coach, former assistant coach of the process. I think they have a lot of good young talent. I think Trey Young was excellent in the second half last year. Yep. I think DeAndre Hunter is a rookie that can come in and give them some value. John Collins, exciting young player. I just think that Kevin Herter made strides in his rookie year last year. I just think that's a team that can, especially in the East, where it's not you know, the gauntlet that the West is, I think they're a team that has a chance to be sniffing the playoffs by the end of the regular season. Yeah, because like you said, they added Cam Reddish. They also had Jabari Parker, but that won't mean anything because he'll be in a suit more than uniform. But like even last last season, we thought the rookie of the year discussion was closed. It was going to clearly be Luka Doncic. But Trey Young, he made an interesting post-All-Star game. And I actually have his numbers. It's like two completely different guys. So before the All-Star game, Trey Young was averaging 16.9 points per game, 7.6 assists. He shot 40% from the field and 31 from three, 79 from the free throw line, and a plus-minus of minus nine per game. Post-All-Star break, like I said, completely different player night and day. 24.7 points per game, nine assists a game, and a plus-minus of minus .5. And he shot 44% from the field, 35% from three, and 88 from the line. Two completely different players. And yeah. the Hawks finished eight and thirteen in the second half. Well, post also break they finished eight and thirteen. Yeah, and, av- they, and averaged one hundred and nineteen points per game. So they were a tough out for anybody in the post All Star game last year. And he worked the Sixers in at least one game during yep. that stretch. Um, yeah, I had money. I had money on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a big Trey Young believer. I think I felt like like I think because a lot of people were saying like, oh, he's like the the Steph of this draft, yeah. and I was like, no, he's not. Like to to consider like Steph is the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Trey Young is not that, and I think because of that lofty comparison, I definitely underrated him, and I thought his size would get the better of him. I thought he would not be able to hold up defensively, which I don't necessarily think he will, but he could be a playmaker defensively. And I think you saw like in this very pick and roll heavy NBA and where like athleticism and speed is kind of the name of the game. I think like he definitely found his place in the NBA yep. last year and I, I assume he'll pick up right where he left off. And if you if you're gonna have one one position kind of locked down for a young team, I think you want it to be the point guard. And like he might lead the league in assists this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like because I, I think James Harden and Russell Westbrook will probably take a little bit away from each other's numbers. I think there's a chance he could be the league leader in, in assists this year. And I think they're going to be a really fun and interesting team to watch develop. Uh, now, out West, I already know who your answer is going to be, who missed the playoffs last year that is going <laughs> to make the playoffs this year. The Los Angeles Lakers, of course. Again. <laughs> One of these years, it's got to be right. Yes. Like like you, I'm a year. I was a year too early last year. Yeah. Um, so they were obviously my my number one team to get in. Who didn't? Now I was going to go with 
the Pelicans because of Zion. And I do think they have a lot of good young talent on that team, too. And I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. But obviously we see Zion is now out six to eight weeks, which is probably a minimum. He may even be out longer than that because they're probably going to want to be careful with him. You don't want to see this guy come back and get hurt. So with that being said, and with me not wanting to choose the same team as you, I guess my outside chance to make the playoffs would be the Dallas Mavericks. That obviously <laughs> That's my choice too. <laughs> that obviously uh, depends a lot on health of Kristaps yep. Porzingis and further development from Luka Doncic. But, you know, they were like a halfway decent team last year. You figure they have to be at least a little bit better. And, uh, but it's it's tough. Like there's just so many good teams out west, and I I don't look at them as a good team yet, which is why it's it's hard for me to really be convicted of them making the playoffs. Yeah, because just if Zion wasn't going to be out for those six to eight weeks, the Pelicans, of course, I already knew you would probably have the Pelicans because that team on paper is not a bad team. Like I, I thought they would be flirting around five hundred and close to an eighth seed. But I thought they would fizzle out late in the year. So, but I thought they would, they could play spoiled a lot of teams because look, look at the young talent. Like that, they might be the most exciting team to watch when Zion Zion does get back. Like they'll be like a must see TV. Even though I don't think they'll be winning a, winning a ton of games, it's going to be like Showtime in New Orleans, basically. Yeah, they'll be that team that's fun to watch. That's very exciting. Probably a lot of up and down. Uh, now they do have Jaleel Okafor on their team, which does not help anything. Does not help anybody. Is, is he started or is it Jackson Hayes or Derek Favors? I, I mean, if I was them, I wouldn't start that guy. <laughs> I would start either guy over Ja. Like he's not helping your team win anything. So they deserve to not make the playoffs if they have Ja started. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, that sucks that he got had to have that surgery. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully would, the meniscus recovery goes better for him than it did for Okafor and Embiid in Philadelphia because both of those guys missed like 60 games with meniscus injuries. And I hope the same thing doesn't happen for Zion. Yeah, and like there's no need to rush him back no matter what because that team will be printing money because, j- just for him. So there's no need to rush him back. But with Dallas, I question their depth because uh, even though they did bring back Seth Curry, they're starting Jalen Brunson at the point. And that'll be interesting to see. And that, that lot of their success will be predicated on Tim Hardaway. He'll be being cast as, as the third best player on the team, which is his role. But he's always in and out the lineup due to injury. And so is Porzingis and both Doncic. But I like that whole combination because that could be like the next Nash and Nowitzki for them. And they're both already excellent talents and their skill levels are both really high. Yeah, like Doncic to me, I don't like him as much as most people do. I think he's obviously a really gifted passer and creator, and he, I think he showed he was a, a little bit better of a shooter than I thought he was last year. I had never seen him be a consistent shooter when he played in Europe, but he obviously shot the ball pretty well last year. But I just, I'm concerned about his athleticism and like what he gives you defensively like obviously last year that stuff didn't matter it was just like you know Luka Doncic putting up numbers and everybody was excited about it but when you're expected to start being a good team and winning people will start to notice if 
you're not doing the job on both ends of the floor. And I'm, I'm not sure that he could do the job on both ends. But where I think they are, first of all, I, I actually like Jalen Brunson a lot. I do too. I watched him uh, at Villanova, obviously. And I thought he he's a guy that I thought it would take him a little time to adjust to the NBA. And it did, but I didn't think he'd start figuring it out in year one. And by the end of the year last year, he, like there were games, I think he had a few 20-point games. He might have had mm-hmm. a 30-point game in there. A couple games where he was draining like five or six threes. And he's like, probably one of the highest IQ players in the league, which I think is always good to have. And where I think they do have a little bit of depth is I think they're they're deep in, like, the big man department. Like, they obviously have rim protection in Porzingis. Dwight Powell, I thought, was pretty good last year at center for them. And a guy who I think a lot of people don't really talk about or think about is Maxi Kleber, who is, like, a 6'10", 6'11", power forward center, can step out and hit threes, can protect the rim and block some shots. I think he's like a really interesting player. He's a guy that I was hoping that my you obviously know my feelings on the Sixers' lack of a backup center last year <laughs> and me talking a lot about that, them losing in the playoffs when in 99 Joel Embiid minutes against Toronto, they were like a plus 110. Or, whatever, <laughs> or in 110 minutes, they were plus 99. And in like whatever it was, like the 60 minutes he didn't play, they were like minus 50. Whatever it was, I don't remember the numbers no, anymore. My favorite one was against Toronto when he was out for like 50 seconds. Yeah. And, and they were minus 11. I'm like, this yeah. is unbelievable. Right. Uh, so my thing was like they need someone who can step in and at the very least adequately protect the rim when he's not in there. And ideally, because he's going to have to share the floor with Ben Simmons, somebody who can step outside and stretch the floor a little bit. And I was like, this guy would be perfect. And he obviously resigned in Dallas, but like I, I think they have a little bit more talent than people realize because they have a few of those guys that maybe because they've been so bad for these past few years, but teams that or they have guys that can actually be productive players that a lot of people don't realize yet. Now I, I feel like it's going out on a limb to expect them to make the playoffs, but like I said, I don't want to make the same picks as you, or, or that would be pretty, pretty boring of us to just say the same things for for an hour yeah uh, i also had a, i also had a thing about the sacramento kings as well they finished 30 and 43 De'Aaron fox i don't know if he'll make the all-star team because the west is always loaded with guards we'll get to a guard that hasn't made an all-star team his entire career mike Conley, i'm sure in a little bit later but watch out for the sacramento kings they also brought in trevor reza and Dwayne dedman and they just resigned buddy Hill today as well four years 86 million so watch out for them as well yeah, they're they they're actually like kind of a, a scrappy team, a team that you know has had no hope for for decades for the most part, and yeah, a team that actually showed some life last year, a kind of a breakout season for De'Aaron Fox last year. You have to hope that that Marvin Bagley can can make some strides, and Dwayne Dedman is another guy that I look at as like super underrated, former Process Sixer. Sam Hinkie signed him to two 10-day contracts back on in like 2014 or 15. Um, a guy who can protect the rim, can rebound, can step out and hit a three. I think an interesting team. I'll never pick or predict the Sacramento Kings to make the playoffs until I see it happen, but this is the most hope they've had in a while. Yep. Like in a long time. Yeah, but uh, I agree. So now we get into the part of the show where we – 
do our see our playoff seating for each conference. And I got to be honest, before we even get into this, I don't know how anyone could make these predictions with any type of certainty. Like, I feel like there's no stability. Like, for as much talent as some of these teams have, I feel like every team has big question marks, too. And a lot of these teams, like, on the high end, they could win a title, but they're also maybe, like, one injury or one slump away from, you know, maybe not missing the playoffs, but being irrelevant in the title chase. So, Eastern Conference... What are your? Do you want to just give our each of our one through eight, or do you want to go like each of us gives our one, each of us gives our two? I'll go one through eight. Okay. All right. So for the East, I have Philly as number one seed. I have Milwaukee two, Boston three, Indy four, Toronto five, Brooklyn six, Orlando seven, and Detroit eight. Okay. So we're not too far removed. Uh, we do have some differences though. So number one, I'm going with the Bucks. Uh, first reason being we already saw that that's a team capable of being a 60-win team, which it's hard to win 60 games in the NBA. So, like, the fact that they have a track record of doing it over a full season, like, to me, that gives them a little bit of a leg up on the Sixers. I think, yes, they lost uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and they're not bringing back their entire team as it was last year. But I think there's a little bit of cohesiveness that they have that the Sixers don't. Like, the Sixers basically last year had three very different teams that Brett Brown had to coach. They had the initial team with, you know, Embiid, Simmons, Covington, Dario, and Markel Fultz as a starter. Then they had the team after the Jimmy Butler trade. Then they had the team after the Tobias Harris trade. And it's like they got got into the playoffs without any type of cohesion. Well, now they're starting the season with a whole new team again. And I think it'll be good for them in the long run that they will probably get to the playoffs with one roster mostly intact by the end of the year. But I think their team is built so unconventionally that I think it's going to take them some time to to fall into place. Like the whole NBA has been going small like for the last four or five years. Like it's been a trend towards getting smaller and faster and more multi-positional. And the Sixers basically, now Sam Hinkie always talked about this, you know, I want to zig when other teams zag. That's how you become great, by like doing things nobody else is doing yet. And the Sixers clearly are zagging where everybody else is zigging. Everybody's getting smaller. They're just like, you know what, we're going to get every big guy we can. Even our coaches, we're going to sign Roy Hibbert on our coaching <laughs> staff. Like, every, is that every, a thing? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> every, every big guy they could, they could get their hands on, they did. They have a 6'10 point guard. They have a 6'6 two guard who's going to probably be guarding point guards. They have a 6'9 small forward. They have Al Horford, who's a 6'10 guy at power forward. And then Joel Embiid, a 7 footer at center. They have, you know, Kyle O'Quinn, who's another legitimate center. Like, they have a ton of size on this team. And I, like, I just wonder how does that play out? Like, they have a lot of talent. But it's like, how do these pieces fit? How do they look against some of these other teams? I don't know yet, and I have a hard time like trusting that it's going to just work. What's this kid that they, they keep talking about defensively? Oh, Matisse Thibel. Yeah, could, I don't remember where I saw it, but they quoted him as a new Tayshaun Prince. <laughs> and 
they Ben Simmons says he gives him fits in practice, and he's quote unquote deemed the the Giannis stopper already. <laughs> Some people are calling him that. And well, that's just hope he doesn't fall. That's a little ambitious. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I know. Let's just let's stop right there because we don't need another. We don't need another Ruben Patterson. So. No. The one thing and I will our- say about this kid is he is he's got super fast hands. And he's very good at jumping passing lanes, getting his hands in to poke the ball out. A lot of times he'll get beat by his man, but he's quick enough to get back and like block the shot from behind. He's like he could be if he lives up to his potential and, and improves and whatnot, like he I could see him being like a possible defensive player of the year type player. Like he could be a guy that gets you two two steals a game and one and a half blocks a game. Like he's yeah, definitely going to be getting you like defensive numbers. Yeah, if he's anything like Tayshawn Prince defensively, I, that's incredible because I still have nightmares of Tayshawn Prince guarding Kobe Bryant. Yeah, now Tayshawn was taller. Tayshawn was longer. Like he had that super long wingspan. Thibel's more like around six five, and I think has a six ten to sit to seven foot wingspan. But he and at Washington they played a zone, and he did. Get, I think he averaged over three steals a game, and he definitely averaged close to two blocks a game, if not two blocks a game. But he was in a zone where he could kind of roam and take chances all the time. He wasn't playing a lot of man defense, so I don't. I wouldn't expect him to come in and be like a stopper, like man to man defense. But he's definitely going to cause havoc. He's going to create a lot of turnovers. He's going to allow Ben Simmons to get out and run when they're on the floor together. And I think he's got the the physical skills to develop into a defensive stopper. But I, I don't I'll be I'm not gonna put that pressure on that kid as a rookie to come in and be like this lockdown defender. He might be, but I think it's a it's a lot to put on him immediately. But I, I just feel like their roster is built so weird that I just have a hard time seeing like Cause, and they're a team that I could see. Like They have the type of talent. They could be a 60-win team. But then I also am like, they could struggle. Like I think they're going to struggle to score at times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I see that. Like I think, the, I think the way the NBA is going, when you play the Sixers, you'll see those, well, at this, at this point, 100 might be considered 80 yeah. back, back 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But don't be shocked if you see some 90 – or 80 games out the Sixers because my thing with the Sixers is regular season they'll be fine but my problem is with the Sixers is Ben Simmons in the second round of the playoffs primarily because you're playing a better team in the second round and I get into arguments with people all the time they always say they always say oh well Ben oh well Ben had a triple double like I don't give a damn about triple double if in the fourth quarter it's two minutes left and you hide away in the corner then triple double doesn't matter and triple doubles are in value the same way they were 10 years ago. So if you, if you had triple double and you're in the corner, do, what are you doing? Like, it's not going to mean anything. And in the second round against Toronto last season, he averaged 11 and a half points per game. And he shot, he took 10 shots or less in five of the seven games. So that just shows a lot of times he was hiding. And my problem with the Sixers letting Jimmy Butler go is, and and this is, this goes hand in hand on Ben Simmons. Like who's going to, Take care. Like, who's going to say, give me the ball? Is Josh Richardson going to be that guy? Is Joel Embiid going to get his ass in the post and be that guy? Who's going to who's gonna be the person to take you to the promise and when you need a go-ahead bucket? 
Yeah, now I think, so I don't know if you remember this, but Brett Brown talked during the season about them having like, I forget what he called it, a silent tournament or a secret tournament, whatever it was, to decide who was going to be like the first wing off the bench because they had like no depth. And eventually James Ennis won out as like the wing off the bench. I think that the regular season, or at least the first half of the season, will be almost like a tournament to see who is the guy that we give the ball to at the end of the game. Because it could be Josh Richardson. I think they're going to give him opportunities to be that guy. I think Tobias Harris is going to get opportunities to be that guy. Like him, he did a lot of like pick-and-roll ball handling with the Clippers. And then he gets to the Sixers, and... Ben has to handle the ball. Jimmy Butler has to handle the ball. There wasn't a lot of ball left over for Tobias to handle the ball. Yeah, he's, think, he basically turned into Kevin Love. Yes, and I think this year <laughs> they're going to have to let Tobias handle the ball more, and I think he's going to get a chance to be more of an initiator than he was with the Sixers last year. And then, of course, Joel Embiid is going to be given every opportunity to be like that go-to guy you know, late in the shot clock or at the end of games in the half-court offense. Um but we'll see. Like we may not know who that guy is until the playoffs. We we may not even know who that guy is entering the playoffs, and it it may turn out that they just don't have that guy on this roster. And that's what I'm worried about. Is like I said, a lot of these teams have a ton of talent and super high upside, but they all have some question mark that could hold them back. And like to me, that's the biggest one for the Sixers is when like you need to score. Who can you count on to do it? And as a Sixers fan right now, I don't know the answer to that question. What have you heard about Ben in the gym shooting jumpers? Because people keep raving saying that he's been with his trainer taking the jump shot, so he's going to take it this year. We saw we saw everybody lose their mind when he hit the three in the preseason game. So as a guy who spent two years watching Markel Fultz shoot in an empty gym, <laughs> and you know now it's been two years watching Ben Simmons shoot in an empty gym like he was shooting a lot in an empty gym last year and even before he ever played a game for the Sixers we saw him shooting a lot I will not believe in it until I start to see it it's one thing same here you know what you know what I compare it to I compare it, it's a cross sport comparison but I compare it to I feel like three years in a row we were told Tim Tebow fixed his throwing throwing mechanics <laughs> and you see it you you'd see him in practice and it's like oh yeah he's keeping the ball up by his ear he's he's got a normal release and then you see him in the game and it looked exactly the same way as it did before yep i feel like that like i cannot believe in it until i see it put into practice so yes we saw him hit that three but it was the only one he took he didn't take one after that i don't foresee him and you know what he doesn't have to be a three-point shooter even this year I like I'd be satisfied with him being able to take like a ten to twelve footer or a fifteen yeah. footer from the elbow. Yeah, be respected. Yeah, like I, I don't need him to to be able to make threes this year. Look, if he adds that, he's one of the three or four best players in the league if he can do that. And if he's doing that next year or two years from now, I'll be satisfied with that as a Sixers fan. But like I don't believe in it yet. I won't believe in it until I see it consistently throughout the course of the season. And my feeling is more that we won't see it. Um, that's my guess, is we will not see it. I don't, I'm not optimistic that we will see strides in that area this year. Um, and I think, again, that that's going to be a thing that could hold them back this year. My number three is the Pacers. My number four is the Celtics. Now, maybe I'm underselling the Celtics because 
I'm not the biggest Kemba Walker guy. Uh, and obviously, you know, my feelings on Ennis Cantor. And if that's your <laughs> starting center, I don't think you're in great shape. But Brad Stevens has shown he does his best coaching jobs when he does not have the most talent. And he may be in that position this year where he's going to squeeze everything he can out of this roster. And I, I do foresee them making some type of move for a more competent center. Like he may be the like Danny Ainge may be the guy that trades for Steven Adams at some point this yeah, season. Yeah, I've been waiting for that all summer. Yeah, so but I have them as my four seed. Five, I have the Raptors. I think it's easy to kind of write them off, but that team actually played well when Kawhi didn't yep. play last year. And I think you have to hope for like a jump out of Pascal Siakam. Um who got paid today? Yes. I think you know, Kyle Lowry still like a high level player. It's not That's like they're, yeah, it's not like they have no talent on that team. They just lost a great player. But I think that's a team that still is going to be, you know, a tough team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Six, I have the Magic because obviously that team made the playoffs last year. That team has a lot of young talent and like they should be still growing. So I expect that team to be, you know, even because they weren't really in playoff contention all year. I feel like they kind of came on late and got over 500 and got in. I think they're going to be a team that is in the mix for, you know, seeds five through seven from the outset of the season. Number seven, I have the Heat because I do think Jimmy Butler is going to play well in Miami. I do think they have some talent down there, and I, I think – Eric Spolstra is a good coach, and I think he'll get the most out of that team. I think just not having Hassan Whiteside anymore will probably be helpful for them. Uh, as fun as it would have been to watch Jimmy Butler be teammates with Hassan Whiteside, uh, I do think, and I, I am not the biggest Jimmy Butler fan, but in the Eastern Conference, I just think they're going to find a way. And I would love to see them be the seven seed going up against the Sixers as the two seed in the first round. I just would thoroughly enjoy that. And as the eight seed, I'm going to take the Nets, even though I think the Atlanta Hawks really? can sneak in. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Kyrie believer. I think teams are better when Kyrie is not playing for whatever reason. Well, well my, my my argument all summer was that I feel they should. I feel like they could have got they could have got D'Angelo Russell for less, but Kyrie and KD was the package. But I don't think Kyrie gives you any more wins really than D'Angelo Russell does. Like I think like I project Brooklyn to be maybe 45 or 40, 45 and 37 or 46 and 36. And I think they're, I think they're going to be worse than that. Like I, I look at it like I remember seeing this stat and I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it to you before to, to you before um, the year after uh, Cleveland had the three, one comeback against golden state, they lost in five the next year, I believe. But they could have won whatever it was, game three, but it was like LeBron sat for two minutes in the fourth quarter and they got outscored by 11 points or 12 points. It was like LeBron plays 46 minutes, he was a plus eight. He sits for two minutes and they're a minus 11, whatever whatever it was. And that, that was the, the case through the whole series. Um, and I remember reading this article saying that even with Kyrie and Kevin Love on the floor. This was during like the course of their time there, not just that series or that playoffs. They were like a minus 3.5 per 48 minutes with 
LeBron on the bench and Kevin Love and Kyrie on the floor. And they said yep. that was basically equivalent of the Knicks. So it was like they are finals contenders with LeBron on the floor, but with two other all-stars and LeBron on the bench, they're equal to the Knicks. Yeah. And I think like you look at Boston, how how tough they were in the playoffs two years ago. They gave the Sixers fits. They almost knocked off Cleveland in the conference finals. And then Kyrie comes in last year, and a lot of people thought, you're adding Kyrie to this team, and they weren't as good with him. I think, and Brooklyn, I think, has some similarities to that Boston team. It's a lot of younger guys. They kind of have a similar model with a lot of these, like, kind of wing players in the the 6'5 to 6'7, 6'8 range, like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. I just think, like, I don't know if he fits into that team. He's older now. I don't know if he wants to be part of, like, the young upstart team. Now, if KD was there this year, obviously a different story because he's got another older veteran there with him. But I look at – and I'm not a believer in DeAndre Jordan anymore at this point in his career. I'm right over Jared Allen guarding legit centers. Yeah. I just – for some – I think that's a team that that could take a step back. Yeah, and then also with – Kyrie and Karis LeVert, you got worried about injury. You already know Kyrie's going to get his share of injuries. And Karis LeVert, he hasn't always been in not the lineup. And Spencer Dinwoody, him and him and Kyrie in the backcourt, you got to wonder. And also Wilson Chandler, he's suspended for the first, I think, thirty five games. And he's always something. hurt too. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So it's a lot of questions for the for the Nets, but I think they'll be around forty five or forty six wins. Yeah, I kind of look at them as a team that I think is going to be like right around five hundred. And I think there, you, there is a world where they may finish like with 36 wins. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they will, but like there's, there are scenarios where they're just a bad team. And like you said, Karis LeVert was even yeah, hurt and hopefully for two years in Michigan. Play. Yeah, he's not going to play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think they could have some struggles in Brooklyn. You know, they're not catching anyone off guard this year. Like I remember them killing the Sixers in the regular season. Like I think they're a team that – people know what they're in store for when they play Brooklyn. And I just, I have worries for them that Kyrie just does not fit in with that group. Uh, what about your West playoff seedings? All right. For the West, I have Denver still as a number one seed. I think they're built for the regular season with the depth that they have. And they also get Michael Porter Jr. back this year. So Denver as a number one seed at the Los Angeles Clippers at the at two, the LA Lakers at three. Four, I have Houston. I don't think Russell Westbrook makes them any better. I just think they're pretty much stagnant right there in that spot. Uh, the fifth seed, I have Golden State. Six, I have Utah. Seven, I have Portland. And eight, I have San Antonio. Give me your five through eight again. I have Golden State at five, Utah at six, Portland at seven, and San Antonio at eight. The only reason I have Golden State at five because I think it's destined for these NBA writers to make Houston play Golden State in the first round. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> uh, I don't have those teams four and five. I do have the Nuggets as the one seed in the West. Like you said, I just feel like that is the classic regular season team. Like, I think they can overwhelm teams with their offense, with their depth. I don't see them as like NBA championship material but I do think that's a team that's going to win a lot of games and is going to be in position to to be the number one seed in the conference number two I actually have the Utah Jazz which is hard for me because they are one of the enemy of the process teams 
uh, you know, with the whole Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons feud. Like I have a heart and the, the, the Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert feud. I like, I have a hard time, but the, the reason I say Utah one, they added Mike Conley, which you, you alluded to earlier. I health. think his health obviously is a big thing, but just adding his level of offense to this team, like there's a huge difference between having Ricky Rubio out there and having Mike Conley out there. Mike Conley's a legitimate three-point shooter. I think it'll take some pressure off Donovan Mitchell. I think it'll spread the floor a little bit. And they got Bogdanovich. Yeah, another guy that could stretch the floor. Like I think they have a lot of talent. I think they're a very, very good defensive team. I think Donovan Mitchell, while his numbers were better, I didn't think he was quite as good last year as a lot of people expected. Like I know his finishing around the rim got a lot worse. And that was one of the reasons, like one of the things that stood out about him as a rookie was he was so dominant finishing around the basket, and he really struggled with that last year. I expect him to make strides as an outside shooter. I expect him to make strides with his shot selection. And I think maybe another year of like, you know, maybe bulking up a little bit and playing against NBA competition, I expect him to bounce back a little bit uh, finishing close to the basket. And... I my reasoning for them being a two seed and not maybe more of like a three to five seed is I think they're the type of team that like cares about finishing higher in the conference. Like to to me, like with Golden State the last couple of years, they're like whatever. Like we're the mm-hmm. best team. It doesn't matter if somebody's got a better record than us. We don't care. I feel like that with Houston. Like I don't think James Harden and Russell Westbrook are like oh we got to get number one seed. We got to get the number two seed. I don't think the Clippers feel like that either. I think these are all experienced players that know, like, the, the thing that matters is do we have home court in the first round and are we healthy going into the playoffs? But I think the Jazz are the type of team that, like, they want to get to that level. And I think they're going to care more about winning those games than some of these other teams do. My number three, and also, like, here's why I have the Clippers number three instead of number one or two. Obviously, Paul George is missing the beginning of the season. We know that he's probably going to have his minutes handled throughout the season. We obviously know Kawhi, the whole load management thing. It's not like they're, we're going to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for 75 games together this year. Mm-hmm. They're going to be sitting some games. So I think that'll knock some wins off their total, although they do have a lot of depth and a lot of talent on that team. I just don't think that's their priority. It's like we need to get as many regular season wins as possible. Uh, four, I have Houston, and I'm not this huge – like I don't, I agree with you completely. I don't think Russell Westbrook necessarily makes them better, but I think as a regular season team, having to face James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same team is like a tough task on just like a, an mm-hmm. average like Wednesday night in the NBA. So I think yeah. there's a lot of games where those two guys might just overwhelm a team. I don't think that necessarily plays out in the playoffs that way, but I, I think they they're going to win a lot of regular season games. But I, I don't look at them as. I, I don't have a lot of faith that they're like going getting out of the West. Yeah, like it'll make James Harden's scoring numbers easier, but no matter what, he's still going to give you thirty-five points per game. So it really doesn't matter. The thing with Houston in the playoffs for me is Russell Westbrook with Mike D'Antoni. Russell Westbrook shoots twenty-nine percent from three and sixty-five percent from the free throw line, and those are the main keys that he focuses on: his three-point shooting and three-pointers, layups, and free throws. Yeah. Uh, I I think Russ is like his three point shooting obviously is is a huge issue and the fact that he shoots so many of them. Yep. Like 
Now, maybe him getting teamed up with James Harden, maybe he's to the point where he's like, okay, a lot of people doubt me now. Like two years ago, everybody thought I was the greatest and I was the MVP and I've averaged a triple-double two years in a row now and nobody cares anymore. Maybe he has something to prove, but I kind of think Russell Westbrook is that guy that like is what he is. Allen Iverson has said before, like if there's one guy in the league now that's like himself, it's Russ. And I think like one of the detriments of AI was his pride. And he was a guy who like he never got better. He was what he was kind of when he got in the league, and he was the same guy throughout his entire prime. Like he didn't add outside shooting, he never got better as a three-point shooter. He, he just never really got better. He never worked on his body. I think Russ is a very similar guy. Like, I'm good enough the way I am. I'm the best in the world exactly how I am. Like, I think he's got that in common with AI. And I think that's a thing that could hold that team back. My number five seed is the Lakers. Part of me wanted to put them higher just because, you know, obviously LeBron, as great as he is, and Anthony Davis as great as he is. But again, I think it's a team where they're not so worried about winning a ton of regular season games. I think they want to get into the playoffs healthy. And I think they're they're two top players. Like they're a very I feel like a top heavy roster. And I don't know how much you could trust that you're gonna get seventy plus games out of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I think out west you're playing good teams almost every night. So if they have good health with that team, they could be like the one or two seed, you know? But I think if you know, Anthony Davis is already starting out the injury, the, the season banged up. So I think I was being a little on the safe side with putting them five instead of like in the top three or four. Uh, six, I have the Portland Trailblazers. They're a team that I think like could be really good or could take a step back. Obviously, they had a really great year last year. I think Hassan Whiteside is actually like a good fit for them. I think those guards there, I think he's going to have get like a lot of opportunities running to the rim. I think he's going to get a lot of like they're going to be setting him up a lot in ways he wasn't set up in Miami. Uh Damian Lillard I think is maybe one of the more underappreciated players in the league like that guy. Cuz he's in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> uh CJ McCollum, I don't think he's like a top 10 or top 12 player, but I think he's a really good player, really good scorer. Uh I think they have a, a young kid who's 20 years old, Anthony Simons, who got drafted yep. Uh, he, I don't think he played college. He got drafted out of high school. I think he's a guy that could make some noise for them this year. I think that the their backcourt is too good, and I think they're such like a prideful team, and they've just been like so solidly consistent for so long, and they're so well coached that I just think they're going to find a way to to not level off when a lot of these teams have gotten a lot better. And they're a team that I think could make a move this season to kind of add like another piece. To help Kevin him keep Love, up. Kevin Love would be perfect. Yeah, I could shooting. see them getting somebody like that. I like I, I just think they're gonna find a way to hang around. The Warriors I'm gonna go with as the seven seed, because I don't think they're missing the playoffs. But I do think that it's gonna be a struggle for them. Like they're oh, they're yeah, not yeah, used yeah. to being undermanned. And mm-hmm. they're gonna be undermanned the whole season. You know, and D'Angelo yeah. Russell, he puts up numbers. I think I said this last year on our our preview show. I'm just not in love with D'Angelo Russell. I think he could score. I think he gets assists, but I don't know how much he helps you win. And I, I don't know how he fits with Steph. Well, I don't know. It'll be interesting well, to see. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's a new situation. He's never really been on a winning team because 
I love when it, I love that they got D'Angelo Russell in a trade for Kevin Durant because while Clay's going, Steph can r- play Clay's role. You know, he, he could ro- he could run around the screens and catch and shoot, and D'Angelo could be the orchestrator. And D'Angelo, he might not be the shooter, Clay's, but he can actually shoot and create create his own offense. But my thing on Golden State is. I have to respect Steve Curry, and I have to put respect on them, even though they lost Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala as well. They brought in Amari Spellman and who else? Are they? Willie Cauley-Stein in, off, in the offseason. But you gotta, you still got to respect them. I do think they'll struggle until Clay gets back, but I also think Steph Curry, he'll rival James Harden in scoring for the most part. But the, the main thing about the position and for them is durability for Steph Curry because you already know Steph Curry, he's not, he doesn't have the biggest frame. He's always out for maybe 10 to 15 games and depending what that 10 to 15 game stretch is it might be a climb uphill climb for golden state but i like the d'angelo russell pickup with with steph playing d'angelo russell just by himself with draymond green i don't like that but the with steph and when clay does eventually come back at the also break i think it'll be a nice nice team and i do think they'll beat whoever they play in the first round if fully healthy well it's definitely not a team you want to face in the first yeah it's round, not you it's know not. And that's why I had Houston. Yeah. And the other <laughs> the other concern I have with them is like Draymond Green may end up being miscast as like there's going to be probably more expected of him offensively than there has been the last few years. And I don't know if he is capable of giving them what they might need from him offensively. Yeah. Bec- yeah. Because if you watch the finals, right when Clay went out, it was just basically gang up on Steph, you know, beat him up a little bit. That's all it was. Draymond, he's done. He, his numbers are down all across the board shooting. And this is something also I brought up to people. The Warriors, they started their run four years ago. You know, Draymond, he's, his play has dropped down, but he still appreciated, appreciated. But like you said, he might be mis- miscast as being your two or yeah. one or one B. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he like he doesn't fit into that mold and I guess that's why they had to get somebody like D'Angelo Russell because they needed another guy to carry the scoring Um, and my number eight I'm going with OKC because I feel like again I think they're going to have like a tough defensive identity like I think that's a tough team I think Chris Paul kind of fits into that that kind of like tough hard-nosed mindset and I think he where I, I feel like Russ I think he He's got so much pride in himself where I don't necessarily think he has something to prove. Like, I don't think he's going to come back a better version of himself. I think he's going to come back pissed off, but I don't think it's going to help him. I think Chris Paul probably is going to come back with something to prove. Like, like I I feel like he may be kind of a a guy that's like, oh, you you guys forgot who I am. Yeah, I'm going to show you. Yeah, like I said at the top of the show, OKC is that team that I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, are you going to try to get these guys trade value up and ship them out somewhere? Like we talked about, I tell you, Chris Paul, Gallinari, and Stephen Adams. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> that that that's my dilemma with OKC. But I do on paper, I do look at them. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. What I'm gonna get out of you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the West is so up in the air. Like I said, there's so many good teams. I just feel like they're gonna. That's a team that I kind of believe in to kind of scratch and claw their way to the end of the regular season. Uh, on to awards. Who are your top three for MVP of the league this year? All right. So I have 
LeBron slash AD as one because I think LeBron's going to kiss ass and try to get this man the MVP to make this man happy. But like you said, the whole old manager is going to come into effect. But Pash, I believe if LeBron James sneezes, he'll be out the next game. Yeah, that, that's too. how fragile I think. That's how serious I think. I think the Lakers are going to take this. Mm-hmm. So I have LeBron slash AD as one pick, and I have James Harden. You can't you can't keep him out of any MVP conversation ever. And to your to your happiness, I have Joel Embiid. <laughs> I, I think the Sixers will be the number one seed. I think he'll be dominant. I think that loss last year hurt him. And I think that now's the time that they know what they have to do and they can form that identity. I also think having Al Horford next to him, showing him showing him the way, will also help him. So those are my three picks for MVP. Okay, so for me, my my number one, I hate to do it, but I have Nikola Jokic uh, <laughs> because I do, like I said, I do think that team is going to win a ton of games. I do have them as the number one seed in the West. And I just feel like he has become like a darling of the basketball media. We obviously regularly do a uh, a wrestling podcast. He's become like, like he's like the indie darling to the basketball media. He's like what Kenny Omega was three years ago to basketball media. <laughs> so I think like he's definitely going to get a lot of favorable coverage and a lot of people are going to be willing to vote for him and, like, anxious and eager to vote for him as the MVP. Number two, I have Giannis because I do I do think they're going to finish one in the East. I think he's kind of become that guy that everyone looks at as, like, this is the guy. Although I think there may be some luster that has come off of him because his lack of shooting ability definitely was exposed in the playoffs. I think a lot of people know it. Like, the way they were defended in the playoffs because he can't shoot – is why they didn't make the NBA Finals. And I think that there might end up starting to be a little bit of, like, that backlash. Like, remember when Peyton Manning, like, oh, he's great in the regular season, but he can't win in the playoffs. I feel like Giannis may start to get that kind of treatment from the media. Yeah, I think Giannis will be great. It's just the fact that I know even though, uh, even like, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, and this might be a, a bad example, but I know, I remember, like, the... Um, the Atlanta Hawks, Mike Buda holds the team. Second year, they 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 regressed tremendously, and they did lose Malcolm Brogdon. But this team is better than that Hawks team. They lost Malcolm Brogdon. They 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 do have the Lopez brothers together, so they do have they have basically like like these trees in in their front court, and I I, I do have the number two, but I believe the Sixers are a better team than the Bucks this year. Yeah, I think if all. Like, if all goes well for the Sixers, they should be. I just – I feel like it's going to take them time to figure out how to how to play as a team together. Um, and my number three, I have Damian Lillard because I feel like, one, he's, he's, deser- he's deserving of that type of attention. And I feel like if he can find a way to keep Portland in the top half of that conference, he will warrant – MVP consideration because it's going to be a lot on his shoulders. Um, I have Joel Embiid out of my top three because I think for whatever reason, I just I think even though people love him for like his antics and his comedy and his Twitter and his trash talk and all that, and he's just a fun guy to watch. I feel like he's not respected as a basketball player the way a lot of these other guys are. Like I feel like people still want to act like oh he's just 
hurt all the time. Oh, he doesn't take the game seriously. He's not in shape. And I think people just kind of, I don't know, there's like a level of respect that he doesn't get that a lot of these other guys do. Like every, uh, there was a, a poll from NBA general managers or executives that came out last week. And it was like best center in the NBA. And it was like 68% said Jokic. And like 30% said Embiid. And it's like, that guy's not better than Embiid. Like there's no way, in no world in which he's better than Embiid. Like Embiid is a dominant defender. And he averaged 27 points a game on offense. Jokic is a better passer. And he might not play as sloppy as Embiid does at times. He might be healthier, but there's no way. Yeah, and a lot of MB's numbers are first half. His points come in the first half. So I know he falls off a lot in the second. So the, And that's like an interesting thing because there are some games where he comes out and he can't do anything in the first half. And then he says, like, oh, yeah, I just couldn't get loose. Like there, there were games where he was like 3 for 12 in the first half with like nine points. And then he goes like 8 for 11 in the second half. So now in the second half of the season, he struggles. Uh, now, hopefully this year, like, he got to watch Kawhi beat him in the playoffs, and he saw the way they handled Kawhi's minutes. I think he's going to be more willing to take it easier during the regular season. But, yeah, I just don't think he gets the level of respect needed to be actually in the MVP conversation, although I would love it, and I think he deserves it. Uh, what about Coach of the Year? Brett Brown. <laughs> well, I guess so. If you have them being number one, yeah. Do you think they're gonna have the best record in the league or just the East? Uh, I think they'll have the best record in the East, but I, I think Brett Brown will finally get everything together. Like, like you said, like they kind of zagged to everybody's zig, but I think they actually have like a full team, and I think that they'll they'll actually finally get it together. And like I said, the addition Al Horford, even though I think the contract's ridiculous, I think that's gonna do wonders for that team. Well, yeah, it gives them like a legitimate guy to have in there when Embiid isn't on the floor, where they won't fall apart when Embiid goes to the bench. When yeah, no he's more out no there, more fifty second rest at minus eleven. Yeah, and, or like in the playoffs when he's out there with Ben, it gives them another shooter out there for him like to play around him, which is good. It's good to have for him to have a center that can actually shoot the ball. Um. For me, I have three possible names. Uh, now, my number one name that I'm going with is Quinn Snyder because, like I said, I think Utah is going to make some noise in the regular season. I think they're going to be a story throughout the season, and I think Quinn Snyder has a chance to reap the, the rewards of them being a story throughout the season. I thought about Mike Malone, but it's like they already kind of had their huge regular season success this year, and I don't necessarily think anyone's going to be super impressed if they're the number one seed this year. And then my other guy, based on Atlanta possibly sneaking into the playoffs, would be Lloyd Pierce. I think he would deserve consideration yeah, I, I, if they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, if they finish like 42 and 40, he would, get, he would definitely get it for the improvement. Yeah. Uh, but my number one choice, I think I'm going to go with Quinn Snyder. Uh, how about Rookie of the Year, which I think we probably both would have had the same guy – uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I put an asterisk next to his name, but you basically take him out the running because he's at least going to miss 20 games. That's, and that's just now. That's not even talking about the talking about the the, la- the later portion of the season. But right now, I have John Morant. And a Dark Horse is somebody that I've been seeing a lot of buzz everywhere is Tyler Hero. 
for Miami. So he could be like to me. I don't know if this is where your mind is with that selection, but he could be like in the Malcolm Brogdon mold, where he's viewed as like a contributor and like a role player on a good team. I don't know. See, I I didn't watch him at all in the preseason. I didn't see Miami at all. But I did watch him at Kentucky, and he was billed as, like, this shooter. I didn't look at him and watch him and see an elite shooter. Like, I didn't see him as, like, J.J. Redick. I, th- I think he's a guy that can make shots. I think he's a guy that's a good shooter. But I don't think he's an elite shooter. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will be. Uh, but I-, I could see that because I know he's definitely got a lot of publicity during the preseason. I know I've mm-hmm. seen a lot on Twitter about him, and I've seen, a, like, not that I've read a lot, but I've seen him written about a lot. Yeah. So I could see that being a guy, uh, like I said, in that mold of like if they end up as like a five. I, I've seen some publications pick Miami as the three seed in the East. Really? So like I, if I they're that, I would have in the playoffs. Yeah, if they're that successful, <clears throat> like I could see him being like the Malcolm Brogdon type. That's like, oh yeah, he's like a good player on a good team. Uh, for me, I had Zion. I don't know if he's going to play enough games to get it. And believe me, if that guy plays 40 games and wins Rookie of the Year, you will never hear the end of it from me. <laughs> um, because Joel Embiid was the Rookie of the Year two years ago. Um, for me, though, to me it comes down to two guys who I know are going to get a lot of volume, like a lot of counting stats because they're going to get a lot of minutes and be relied on. And John Morant is one of them in Memphis and the other one is RJ Barrett with the Knicks because I know he's basically going to have the green light to like go do your thing on offense. He's <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see about that Knicks team was interesting because they have Julius Randle and he's coming off 21 points per game last season in New Orleans. So I would I would assume that he may be their go-to guy cuz he might be seen as their best player. And they got they got guys like Bobby Portis in there and second year guy Kevin Knox. It'll be, that'll be interesting to see. What, what kind of numbers R.J. Barrett puts out there. Yeah, I, like I was interested in them last year because I felt like they had a, like Mitchell Robinson I love, a guy would would have loved for the Sixers to have drafted two drafts ago. Um, you know, Alonzo Trier, they had, you know, they had at one point Moutier and Dennis Smith Jr., two of those young point guards who are not very good, but were putting up decent numbers for the Knicks last year. Like I, I think they're going to be an interesting team. And, yeah, I just think – those two guys are going to have the ball a lot. They're going to be getting numbers. Like, John Morant is going to score. He's going to get assists. He's going to probably get some steals. RJ is going to put up points, and he's going to get, you know, de- like he could he could theoretically be like a 15-5-5 five and five guy as a rookie, which mm-hmm. not a lot of guys do. So I think barring Zion being healthier than we expect, I think it's going to be one of those two guys. But if your top guy is John Morant, I'll probably go with with RJ. Uh, most improved player. We probably have the same answer for here. I have, I have Shea Gilgis. I have Shea Gilgis Alexander, or or Bam Adebayo, but I think it'll be Shea Shea because the whole Chris Paul thing. Chris playing alongside Chris Paul. Will Chris Paul be there? I think he'll get plenty of opportunities. So Shea Gilgis Alexander. That's my pick. I think it's a good choice, and like he was good last year, you know, like he really came on as a rookie. So I could see him winning the award. I actually didn't have him, 
So the one guy I had, I had a one and a one, like a one A and a one B. My one B is kind of maybe getting shot out of the window a little bit because of an injury on his team that I thought would help him get a lot of press. I had Lonzo Ball as my number two. I can see that because I could see him, him and Zion running and gunning, and without Zion, it's like ah, eh, maybe not. But we've had, we've seen some talk about his improved shooting form. And honestly, like Lonzo is a good player. He's like the team is better when he's on the floor. Yeah. And yeah. I thought with that team being a story with Zion, it would give him an opportunity. But my number one guy for most improved player is Jonathan Isaac. Um, I think he's he actually with these new NBA height measurements, he's actually an inch taller. One of the few guys that actually gained inches uh, mm-hmm. with the new measurements. He's uh, officially listed in without shoes at six eleven. I think he's a super versatile defender. I think he's an improving offensive player. And I think he's, like, one, a big part of what they do in Orlando. And, two, I think he fits into this era of the NBA where you can have him do some rim protection. He's athletic enough and long enough and disruptive enough where if he gets switched out on the perimeter, he can handle that. Like, I think he's a key piece for them. And if Orlando shows improvement this year, I could see Jonathan Isaac – being a guy who gets most improved player. Um, and another guy, like when the Sixers had the three pick two years ago, wanted Jonathan Isaac with that three pick. They ended up trading up and getting Markel Fultz. Uh, we all know how that worked out or how that didn't work out. Uh, but it will be interesting to see with the most improved player. It's kind of hard to predict because it's hard to say who's really going to improve, but I think we had some good names out there that will be in the mix for that award. Uh, sixth man of the year. I'm, I don't want to pick Louis Williams, mm. but I'm sure it'll be Louis Williams. But I'll take Demontis Sabonis. Good choice. Uh, I actually went with a little bit of a different choice because this guy has not been a sixth man until this year. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Ingles, who just signed an extension right before we recorded. I think Joe Ingles, he's been like a really solid starter for Utah, and he does a lot of, like, he's a great passer. He's a great defender, like, elite three point shooter. I think when you have him coming in as a sixth man, he's probably going to get a little bit more of an opportunity to do some playmaking off the bench. I think his shooting is going to be really good for them off the bench. I think he's still going to play crunch time minutes for them because of his shooting and his defense. And once again, I think if Utah has that rise this year where they are challenging for the top seed in the Western Conference. I think that will kind of rise the level of the way a lot of their guys are viewed. And I think Joe Ingles has a a solid chance to be the sixth man of the year in his first year as a sixth man. Also, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is always a good guy to throw in the mix. Yeah, and I would say Kyle Kuzma, too, as a a, a candidate. But my thing is, I don't know the the Lakers' final lineup. I think Kuzma is better off suited coming off the bench and finishing the game. But I'm not sure what the Lakers starting lineup is actually going to be. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't know that yet. We obviously don't have that information. Uh what about defensive player of the year? I have Rudy Gobert or uh, my other pick was Anthony Davis. I'm going with Joel Embiid again this year. <laughs> Reason being, I think if the Sixers reach the heights that like I hope they reach that you clearly expect them to reach. I think it's going to be because they are a dominant defensive team. And a lot of people are predicting like they could be the best defensive team in the league this year. And I just think Rudy Gobert has won it 
back-to-back years. I think if the Sixers are a dominant defensive team, if they are the best defensive team in the league, I think Joel Embiid finally gets his recognition as the anchor of that defense. But I have Rudy Gobert number two and Anthony Davis number three. So I think they're the, the same kind of guys are all in the mix every year. Um, that wraps up awards. I guess now, who do you think wins the Eastern Conference? Who represents the East in the NBA Finals in 2019-2020? The Sixers. I said, I think they figure it all out. I think Al Horford was the key. I think he'll bring some stability because stability on and on the four whip Embiid and off the court without Embiid. I think Ben Simmons will take the next step. I think he he will start to take a 10 to 15 foot jump shot. And I think he'll now add so much to his game and he'll become more of a threat offensively. It's, my only question is in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, don't hide. Are you going to hide in the corner and who's going to take you there? But I think this, Sixers are com- the most complete team, and I think they're great defensively, so I'll go with the Sixers. Uh, I went with the Sixers as a joke last year. I'm not going to pick them this year just because I don't personally want to put that expectation on them because I feel like it will lead me only to disappointment. So I'm going to go with the Bucks because, like I said earlier, they have the track record of being able to be a really successful regular season team. I think Giannis is just so good and so hard to stop. I think they have like a cohesive team built around him. And I just look at the Sixers like I feel like I have so many questions about how does this team work. So you're right. If Brett Brown figures out how to make this all work, he deserves to be coach of the year. And they will be in the finals if they figure out how to make it all work. I just like I look at it on paper and I see the talent and I'm like, how does this all fit together? How do they make this look good who's scoring at the end of games where are you getting offense from when you need it and I I feel like I just have so many questions about them it's hard for me to expect them to make the finals and I have a lot less questions about the Bucs so I'm going to go with the Bucs but I do think it will be the Bucs and the Sixers in the conference finals Uh, and what about the Western Conference you go Los Angeles Lakers and I Both, because I don't give a damn. I deserve this. I'm tired <laughs> of going through this. I've been out for six years. I'm tired of this. LeBron, take, take care of your business. You got Anthony Davis after all the drama from last year. You got all these name brand players who are who are here to fill a role. Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, who's on, who's on a who's on a day by day con day by day paying contract. You got him. You, you got Javale McGee back. You got I, I said Avery Bradley. You got Quinn Quinn Cook. You got three point shooting that you need. The free the free throw shooting is way better because because of, of the guys you brought you brought in. You actually have shooters around you now. There are no excuses anymore. Golden State is vulnerable because they'll be they'll be they'll be unhealthy for most of the season. But the Lakers going to the final against the Sixers and pass. We are going. <laughs> so. I personally would thoroughly enjoy a Sixers-Lakers finals. I think that would be a lot. I think to me that personally would be the most fun possible finals matchup. But as you heard a minute ago, I am not picking the Sixers to make the finals. I am not picking the Lakers to make the finals either just because I worry a little bit about the mileage on LeBron. And I don't know yet. Like, Anthony Davis hasn't proven to me that he's that guy. 
We've seen him on mediocre teams. I haven't seen him be like one of like a top guy on a top team yet. And I don't know what his I don't like I don't trust his health yet. Now, much like the Sixers, if it all works out, they easily could win the, the NBA championship. Lakers, I think the same thing. If it all works out and falls into place, they could be NBA champions in nine months or however long it is. I just I don't trust it yet. I'm going with the Clippers because one we've already seen like Kawhi Leonard has just become like indestructible like that watching that guy play against the Sixers in the playoffs kind of like scarred me <laughs> like I'm like shell shocked yeah I'm like shell shocked from watching him in that series I think and that and now you give him a teammate like Paul George He's got they have depth on that team. They have a lot of interchangeable parts on that team. I think like defensively, they're the one team that I look at like, yo, that defense could be every bit as dominant as I think the Sixers could be. Now, they also have some health concerns, some age concerns, some mileage concerns. But I just look at it like they have so much versatility on that team, so good defensively, and then they have guys that are proven Playoff performers, playoff scorers. Doc Rivers obviously has a championship pedigree as a coach. It, it like it, it feels weird to pick them. Maybe just because they're the Clippers, I don't know. Like when I try to picture it, I can't picture the Clippers in the finals. But just something about that combination of coaching and top level talent and depth, it's hard for me to pick against them. I don't see it being Denver. I don't see it being Utah. I really think it will be between the Clippers and the Lakers, but I, I have yep. the Clippers and the Bucks in the NBA yep. Finals. You have the Sixers and Lakers in the NBA Finals. Yep, yep. I want the Clippers in the car, even though my standards are saying that, but the Lakers and Clippers will meet in the playoffs, and I want to see Patrick Beverly, Louis Williams, Kawhi, Paul George, and Montrez Harrell against Rondo, um, what the hell's his name? Rondo, LeBron, Kuzma, Anthony Davis and McGee, or or take McGee out and put in Danny Green. Let's go. <laughs> I need this. I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. I can't watch this. I I I've suffered enough. The other interesting thing is, you know, watching the Eastern playoffs last year. Everyone said there are four teams in the East that matter, and those four teams were the Bucks. Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. Then in the West, I think everyone pretty much just assumed Golden State is going to trample their way to the finals. This year, I feel like the playoffs are very interesting. Now, in the East, it probably is really a two-team race, barring injuries or anything like that, or barring a trade. I really think it's between the Bucks and the Sixers. The Western Conference playoffs this year, as good as the Western Conference playoffs always are, you're looking at, like, conference final level matchups like almost across the board like it's crazy how deep the western conference playoffs are not just good teams but like championship caliber teams playing each other in the first and second round yep because the way i have it the lakers will have to play utah in the first round yeah like that's a tough series yeah so you have Sixers, Lakers. I have Bucks, Clippers. Who is your 2019 20 NBA champion? 
The Lakers. And Anthony Davis resigns. How many games? Uh, hmm. I'll go six. Would be a fun series. Uh, for me, I have the Bucks and the Clippers. And I am going Clippers in five because I think between Kawhi and Paul George, I think they will be able to to contain Giannis enough that like Chris Middleton, I'm sorry, is not beating you. The Lopez no. brothers are not beating you. Like it's just not happening. No. So I think the Clippers in five. Uh, but my heart wants Sixers Lakers because I just think that'd be so much fun. <laughs> Uh, Who wants to see the Bucks and the Clippers? Get I mean, here. nobody. I know I don't <laughs> want to see that. Uh, other than to be to be able to say I was right, I don't want to see it. And I'd rather the Sixers make the make the finals than me be able to say I was right that they wouldn't. Uh, any final thoughts before we close it out? No, I think we I think we covered everything. All right, so we both have teams that have championship aspirations. We both have teams that have question marks. We both have a long road ahead of us and a story that is waiting to be written. Hopefully, you know, one of us gets a happy ending. We can't both get one. Um, And I guess we just have to wait and see how it goes. You know, we have 82 games and then, you know, six weeks of NBA playoffs before we know. And hopefully the two of us are still left standing at the end of it. Um I'm just glad I don't have to see Kawhi Leonard until the finals, if at all. (laughs) Uh, But I guess that is it for the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you enjoy the NBA season. We will catch up with you, I guess, to preview the Christmas Day lineup once again. Um, For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery Jr., and we will see you in December. (laughs) 